the Theology of the Body Institute, this is the Ask Christopher West Podcast. Hi, podcast listeners. Hey, everybody. Welcome back for another episode. Yes, we're so grateful that you're listening. No point in us talking here if you're not there to listen. <laughs> oh, you and I like to talk to each other, though. It's true, but we wouldn't need the microphones. That's right. We would not need these microphones. <laughs> so I have just a random question for you. When you look back over 2020. 2020. Okay. So this, I don't know year. anything about this question, listeners. Just so you know, <laughs> Wendy's coming up with a random one here. Yes. As part of our little banter here before we get rolling. Okay, go ahead. I know I know nothing, but I'm looking back at 2020 and when you look back at 2020, what is the best movie or video that you watched last year and why? Wow. Mhm. Wow, I thought you were going to ask me about COVID and stuff, but No. Okay. I want to talk about COVID. Thanks. 2020, the best year ever. No. Um <laughs> Yeah, I, I do watch a lot of movies. 2020, best movie. Well, you know what comes to my mind is we, we re-watched Lion. Did we already talk about this on a podcast? Mm-mm. No? Okay, Lion, not to be confused with Lion King. <laughs> uh, Lion is about a true story about a young Indian boy who got stuck on a train and ended up traveling through the night some 1,200 or 1,400 kilometers away from his home. Mm. He was five years old yeah, and was there. he's in a part of India that speaks a different language. He can't communicate with anybody. He ends up in an orphanage and gets adopted by a couple in Australia. Mm-hmm. And then later in his life, now he's in his 20s, through technology, i.e. Google Maps, mm-hmm. pieces together, you know, how fast were the trains going back, you know, when he was five years old and 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 starts this, charts this map. He has this big map on his wall trying to figure out where he's from. Yes. He he was mispronouncing the name of his town. He was five years old. He, he was, you know, when he was asked, where are you from? He couldn't even pronounce the name of his town correctly, so nobody knew where he was from. Long story short, uh, spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. <laughs> he finds through Google Maps the town mm. where he grew up. I'm just going to leave it there. I'm not going to give away the ending. Uh, but based on a true story, we watched it when it came out in the theater. When was that? Mm. Four or five years ago? Yeah, a couple of years ago. And I remember really enjoying the movie, but we rewatched it with our kids. And we really were all quite taken by the story. Yes. And it was really... I thought especially moving for us as parents to see how much it moved our our yes. kids watching that movie. Yeah, there was a lot of uh, multiple things that moved us, you know, the beauty of the of the land of India that we were encountering as he as he lived there yeah. as a child as he he searched there later but more the the beauty of his search for identity, who who am I and the the deep sense of the love he had for those he left behind and the thought of their suffering both in poverty but even more so of grief of having lost him and not having any way of knowing that he's fine yeah 
and how desperately he wanted to rectify that situation. And just the beauty of his heart and his commitment to that was really inspiring. Yeah. I'll, I'll share one more thing that I watched that, that stayed with me. I watched it. You remember I watched that um, documentary on Dolly Parton Yeah. on Netflix. Yeah. I, I was, um, I was seriously corrected by this documentary because mm -hmm. growing up, you know, Dolly Parton was famous in the seventies when I was a kid and, I just kind of thought of her as a dumb blonde. Mm. Uh, forgive me, that was my impression of her. But this documentary really opened my eyes as to how savvy this woman is. Mm. And her very first song that she came out with in the 60s was mm -hmm. called Dumb Blonde. Mm. <laughs> and she said in the, in the lyrics something like this, I know you think I'm a dumb blonde, mm. but there's a lot more going on underneath mm. than you may think. And yeah, that, that, that opened my eyes. And Dolly Parton, forgive me, that's what mm -hmm. I did think. Forgive me. Uh, and there is a heck of a lot more going on mm -hmm. than I thought. And I, what was the name of that documentary? Do you remember? Here I Am. Here I Am. Yeah. So if you grew up listening to Dolly Parton's music, you might be interested in watching that documentary mm -hmm. for whatever it's worth. You asked. That's my answer. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So our first question is from Jennifer. Okay. Hi, Jennifer. She says, I understand that salvation comes through the church. But I cannot accept the idea that there are so many good people being damned because they're not part of the body of Christ. How does this work with God's mercy? Shouldn't all good people go to heaven? Please explain if there's theology I don't understand. Shouldn't all good people go to heaven? Well, I guess we have to begin with what is a good person? Remember when the rich young man comes to Jesus, mm -hmm. says, what must I do to enter the kingdom of heaven? Yeah. He says, good teacher, what must I do to enter the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus' response was, why do you call me good? Only one is good, which is interesting, right? Yeah. Uh, what does that say about us? Now, fundamentally, being a human being is a good thing. Right. So in that sense, ontologically, we are all good. But this idea, well, I'm a good person, I should go to heaven. What, what do we mean by that? Are, are, we, are we missing out when we say that on, on the universal need for salvation? Mm. From what do we need to be saved? We need to be saved from our, our penchant to choose something other than God for our ultimate fulfillment. When we sin, that's what we're doing. Sin is not just the breaking of a law. Sin is misdirected desire. We all have this ache, this longing, this hunger for something. We're looking for something. Uh, it's the universal common denominator of our humanity. Uh, in the words of the prophet Bruce Springsteen, everybody's got a hungry heart. The question is, with what are we filling that hunger? And, and we cannot save ourselves here. We all our attempts to solve the problem of our disoriented and, let's say it frankly, our, our sinful hearts, we cannot make ourselves good. We cannot save ourselves. We are in need of a Savior. So in this sense, the church is very clear. The only Savior there is, is Jesus Christ. Now, people can experience the salvation of Jesus Christ without knowing that it's Jesus Christ who's doing the saving, right? So yeah. everyone 
who experiences salvation, everyone who spends eternity with God, that happens through Jesus Christ. Whether or not on this earth, Mm -hmm. they knew that it was Jesus Christ who was doing that in their lives. And here, I want to quote from the Catechism. This is Catechism 1257 through 1260. I'm not going to read it all, but I'll, I'll paraphrase a few of the more important passages. Uh, it says, the necess- this is the title here is The Necessity of Baptism. The Lord himself affirms that baptism is necessary for salvation. Catechism 1257. He also commands his disciples to proclaim the gospel to all nations and to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Baptism, therefore, is necessary for salvation. Here's a key line, though. For those to whom the gospel has been proclaimed and who have had the possibility of asking for this sacrament. Mm. Then it goes on to say, and the wording here is very, very important. The church does not know of any means other than baptism that assures entry into eternal life. This is why she takes great care not to neglect the mission she has received from the Lord to see that all who can be baptized are indeed reborn of water and the Spirit. And then here's another very important line. The church is very careful in her words here so as not to be misunderstood. God has bound salvation to the sacrament of baptism. Here's the key line. But he himself, they're both key lines. I don't want to say one's more important than the other. We have to hold them both together. Number one, God has bound salvation to the sacrament of baptism. Number two, but he himself is not bound by his sacraments. Mm. It's very, very important. God can work outside the bounds of his sacraments. But the church knows of no other certain means than baptism to help to, to bring us into the salvation Jesus won for us. Uh, and he did die for all of us. And didn't she point that out in the, in the question? Or some, wasn't there something to that effect? God's mercy. Yeah, God's mercy is for all of us. And the Catechism says this in 1260. Very important. Since Christ died for all... And since all men are in fact called to one and the same destiny, which is divine, union with God forever, we must hold that the Holy Spirit offers to all the possibility of being made partakers in a way known to God of the Paschal mystery, which is to say the salvation offered in the death and resurrection of Jesus. And then it says this, every man who is ignorant of the gospel of Christ and of his church, but seeks the truth and does the will of God in accordance with his understanding of it, can be saved. Mm. Very, very important here. So we have to hold in this conversation that it's God's will that everyone be saved, but God also respects our freedom. And it is really possible for us to use our freedom to say no to God's will in a definitive way. And and often it's, and if we do, if we do say no definitively, and and we don't revoke that, in other words, we don't repent, Mm. then we, because we've chosen it, we will be separated from God for all eternity. Mm. That separation is called hell. If anybody's in hell, it's not because God sent them there. 
It's mm -hmm. because they chose to go there. And people will say to me sometimes, well, Christopher, if God is love, how could there possibly be a hell? And I say, no, 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 let, let's look at this more deeply. We're looking at it from the wrong angle there. It's precisely because God is love and he loves us that the possibility of hell is real. In what sense and why is that the case? We talk so often on the show that about heaven being an eternal marriage, right? The marriage of Christ and his church. Mm -hmm. And that the whole Bible can be summed up with those five words, God wants to marry us. Well, if that's true, we, we also have to recognize this. The heavenly marriage, the eternal union, it's not going to be a shotgun wedding. Mm -hmm. No one is forced to say yes to God's marriage proposal. Because if we were forced, God would be a tyrant. It wouldn't be love, right? The, the lie that we believe that led us to say no to God in the beginning, the whole lie behind original sin, was that God was a tyrant. Yeah. God shows his love for us in this. He shows that he's not a tyrant by the fact that he will not save us against our will. He sees our freedom as inviolable. And he will respect the human being's freedom to say no to that eternal wedding invitation because he loves us. If he took that freedom away from us, if we didn't have the possibility of saying no, then we wouldn't have freedom. And God would indeed be ty a tyrant yeah. towards us. He would be dominating us. He wouldn't by not respecting our freedom. So it, again, it is the possibility of hell that reveals God really does love us in the very fact that he respects and honors the freedom that he gave us. Why did he give us freedom? Because without it, love is impossible. Jennifer, I would just also like to add that we really can be praying for every person to go to heaven. Um, that's part of the prayer that Our Lady taught at her apparition in Fatima to the children, that they would pray that all souls go to heaven, especially those in most need of God's right. mercy, not even what you might call good people if they're right. most in need of God's mercy. But that instinct to recognize the value of every person, God put that in our hearts because he values every human person. So we have such a beautiful tradition of praying for people all over the world, living those who have died. doesn't matter how long ago we can be praying for them to help them on that journey to yes, to say yes to God's love and to be with us in heaven. Um, so I just, I hope that that's all helpful. That sense that, that God really does really, really, really love all of us, I think. Is Jennifer, that sentiment you have in your heart yeah. that, that all would be saved is, is God's sentiment. Yeah. You're feeling something of God's heart there in your own mm -hmm. desire that all would be saved. So we can unite our will with God's will that all would be saved. That's God's will. Yeah. At the same time, hell is real. God respects our freedom, and it is possible that we could reject his invitation. Mm -hmm. So here's, here's a suggestion. Let's not reject his invitation. Okay. I like that one. <laughs> if, freedom, if freedom was given to us to choose between life and death, heaven and hell, well, Let's choose life. Yeah. And we do that here and now by welcoming God's will in our lives. 
which is easier said than done, because we have rebellious wills, right? If, if we see in our hearts, uh, or, or put it this way, if there's something in God's will that we fight, maybe the problem is not God's will, maybe it's our own hearts. And maybe the solution is not to say, uh, you know, I wish the church would change her teaching, uh, or the church is so crazy, that's impossible, nobody wants to, can possibly live that. Mm. Maybe the solution is say, Lord, please change my heart. And I've seen him do this in my own life again and again and again, as I open these places of rebellion in my own heart to the Lord. Say, Lord, by your grace, please change my heart. I've seen him do it. Wendy, you've seen him do it in me too. You've seen him do it in me And I've too. seen him do it in you. Yeah. That's called salvation. Mm. That's called grace really working in our mm -hmm. lives. Mm -hmm. Hope that's helpful to you, Jennifer. God bless you. Next question is from Thomas. Thomas says, I'm really struggling to discern God's will for my life. Vocational decisions feel so complicated, and there are so many conflicting desires and voices I don't know how to know the right path. I feel like there should be a simple answer, but life is messy. How do you discern God's will in your life? God bless you, Thomas. I know that struggle. Uh, anyone who takes God's will seriously in their lives is going to, on occasion, struggle to discern what that is. Mm -hmm. And here, let's be clear, I think this is the first principle in, in discernment. When, when we talk about the struggle in discerning God's will. We're talking about the choice between two goods okay. or several goods. We're not talking about the choice between good and evil, because if it's a choice between good and evil, God's will is very clear. Mm. Don't choose the evil, right. right? And we're back to what I said in an earlier question, or just a few moments ago. If the church is who the church proclaims itself to be, what does the church proclaim to be? The bride of Christ, who's been given the heart of Christ through the Holy Spirit mm. to teach the fullness of the truth in season and out of season, which the church proclaims in her doctrine on faith and morals to be infallible. It's infallible because it's the heart of Christ, and Christ's heart is infallible, and Christ's heart has been given infallibly to his bride. Mm. So it's not that everything the Pope says is infallible, but when the church proclaims with her authority the truth to be held in matters of faith and morality, we can hold on to that as the will of God. Not just some Pope who made it up, not just some bishop in Zimbabwe who made it up, but when the Pope and the bishops around the world teach on matters of faith and morals in unison, with the authority given by Christ, we can be sure that that is not mistaken, that this is the will of God. And if in our hearts we see the teaching of the church here, and our hearts are over here, there's a big gap, uh, we can think the easy solution here is to bring the teaching of the church down to the level of what my desire is, right? We know we need to narrow the gap in one direction or the other. Well, why don't I just bring the God's will down to what I already want to do? Mm. The solution is in the other direction, always. It's our hearts that need to be converted, not God's teaching, right? So we need to say, Lord, please change my heart to conform to your will. So if indeed we're not talking about a question of discernment that is already discerned and clear right. as a question between good and evil, 
but rather we're talking about competing goods. Like, mm -hmm. should I be a priest? Should I be married? Should I uh, take this job in San Francisco? Or should I take this job in in New York City? Um, which are both, e you know, have equal goods that they're offering. And, and it becomes a question, Lord, what should I do? Mm -hmm. Here we are also back to what we were saying in an earlier question about God's respect for our freedom. Mm -hmm. And in the end, even, you know, maybe we don't have some lightning bolt from heaven where it becomes clear. There are occasions where we'll, God will give us certain signs. He'll communicate with us through means that we can understand. Uh, number one, the desires of our own hearts. Uh, number two, the counsel of wise people we respect. And number three, certain circumstances in our lives that may push us or nudge us in a certain direction. Uh, and there can be extraordinary signs. There can be something as simple as a song on the radio where the lyrics speak right to your heart and make a certain question that five minutes ago was very murky become very clear. And you can have those moments. I, I have these moments, um, not every day of my life, but on a, on a regular enough basis that it's familiar to me to, to sense, like, oh my gosh, this is the Lord. This is the Lord talking to me through a song on the radio. This is the Lord talking to me through my wife. This is the Lord talking to me through my spiritual director. This is the Lord talking to me through my children. This is the Lord talking to me through my circumstances. This is the Lord talking to me through my students. This is the Lord talking to me through my coworkers and colleagues in, in my ministry. He can use all of these means but we have to cultivate a certain sensitivity to the Lord's voice, so to speak. It's not that we hear audibly Him speaking, but we have to cultivate a certain sensibility to the language He speaks to our hearts. Mm -hmm. But in the end, even if we aren't able to cultivate that to such a point where, he, where we hear Him all the time and in everything speaking to us, <laughs> do this, don't do that, have Cheerios, not cornflakes for breakfast. Oh, no. Um, I mean, when we're, <laughs> we can get scrupulous about it. We have to yeah. avoid that. And we have to trust the Lord has given us freedom. Yeah, It's okay. Cheerios or cornflakes, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Cheers or cornflakes, <laughs> doesn't matter. Choose what you will. And that may be the case, too, between that job in San Francisco or that job in New York City choose what you will. Mm. Uh, I often tell the story of, of a, uh, someone who brought me to, to Yakima, Washington years ago to give a talk. And we were sitting in his living room after the talk. We were having a beer together, talking about the Lord. And, and I, I asked him about, uh, I saw all these pictures on, his, on the wall of his wife and his kids. And how'd you meet your wife? How'd you discern your vocation to marriage? And he said something to me that has stayed with me all these years. He said, well, I really believed when I was a young man that the Lord was calling me to be a priest. And I said, thank you, Lord, for that vote of confidence, but uh, I, I want to get married. And he looked up at his wall, uh, pictures of his kids and his wife, and he said, and look how the Lord has blessed my decision. And that always stayed with me because I loved his bold confidence in trusting the Lord's respect for his freedom. And here again, it's right in Scripture. We're not talking about a choice between something good and something evil. <laughs> Choosing marriage is not an evil. Mm -hmm. It's a choice between two 
goods. Uh, and, and the Lord respects our freedom to choose between two goods. So those are some of my thoughts. What are What's yeah. on your heart, Wendy? What I just want to add there is that sometimes all the Lord really wants is for us to be more deeply in love with him and have deeper faith in him, in his power, his desire to work through us in our lives. And we are maybe because of some unrest in our being or some kind of circumstances that maybe are making us feel pressured to kind of answer this big question about something like your vocation, for example, right. we might be missing like the real thing God's wanting to work on is your surrender to him or yes. your trust of him, your love for him, your desire to bring about his kingdom in your life, regardless of the answers to those other questions. And he may be really hoping you would just look him in the eye and really love him. And that may take away all the anxiety about yeah. how, when, what, if, if that is what he's really longing for because he wants to be with you forever. And do you want to be with him forever? Yes. And that, that yes, is the, is the beginning of all good things. And sometimes we've said it before. We need to say it again. We need to look again into his face and recognize how deep is his love? How great is his power? How awesome his glory. And just like take that in and let that feed those deep places in our hearts that are anxious and yes, worried. Yes. Let him minister to us there so that we can not be in that place anymore. And then those big messy decisions, can we can see them from a new perspective. And the, I like what you said about the surrender to the Lord, even when we may not be clear as to what he's asking of us. Right. No. There's, there's even a... a deeper faith required in moving forward with some decision when we don't have some clear sign from heaven as to which decision we should make. Mm -hmm. And I remember a friend once said to me, it stayed with me, uh, he had to make some decision without some clear sign, and it was a big decision. And, and he went down a certain path, he discerned as best he could, it was not a choice between a good and evil, it was a choice between two goods, he discerned as clearly as he could, no clear sign. He chose one of those goods, and he went down that path, and he'd been on that path for years. And I said, have you ever looked back and wondered, did I, did you hear correctly? Maybe the Lord might have wanted you to go. To... He says, don't know, don't care. And he was so quick with that, and it it what he was demonstrating was not a nonchalant, I don't, I don't care what God thinks. It was a, the place it was coming from in his heart was, I trust the Lord. I did everything I could at the time to make the best mm -hmm. decision I could make. I made it, and it's not worth wondering about anymore. Mm. And even if I, in some abstract sense of the way the universe works, chose the, quote, wrong path, doesn't matter, because the Lord is going to bring good out of that too. Mm -hmm. So I love that just kind of confidence yeah. in, in trusting the Lord when it wasn't clear as to what he was specifically mm, called to do. Awesome. That surrender, as you were saying, Wendy, is what the Lord wants from all of us, that, that trust. Amen. I have a question from Elijah. Hi, Elijah. Okay, so my question is about why Catholics pray to saints. It 
seems to me that this could be a violation of the first commandment. I'm the Lord your God. You shall have no gods before me. Can you please explain why Catholics do this? Sure, Elijah. I like your name, Elijah, by the way. Uh, we talked about something uh, closely related to this on a recent episode mm -hmm. where the question was about praying to the Blessed Mother. Mm -hmm. And we hear the word pray to, and we think rightly, initially, the first person we pray to is, is God. And of course, there are three persons in God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Right. And prayer, in that sense, being a kind of crossing from the earthly realm to the heavenly realm, is directed to God. But God is not the only one in the heavenly realm. There's a whole communion of saints up there. Love it. Isn't that awesome? Yes. And there's no barrier in our communication because the gates of heaven have been opened. Oh, my goodness. Right? So we get to communicate. We get to cross that realm between heaven and earth, not just with the three persons of the Trinity, but we can be in communication. And the word for that, crossing that realm, is prayer. Mm. We can be in communication, prayerful communication, with everyone who's made it to heaven. That's very exciting. We are part of a very big family. Mm -hmm. And when we're praying to the saints, it's kind of shorthand. We're not really praying to the saints. Rather, we're, we're asking the saints to be praying for us. In the same kind of way, I would say, Wendy, I got something really heavy on my heart. Could you please pray for me about X, Y, and Z? Well, one of my great heroes in the faith, St. John Paul II, we know he's there. How do we know he's there? Because he's a saint, mm -hmm. and that means he's there. He's participating in the communion with the Trinity, of the Trinity. So I can say, hey, JP2, can you please pray for me for X, mm -hmm. Y, and Z? Uh, and don't we want to, we don't want to just ask some random person on the street to be praying for us. We want to go to the people we know have a real close relationship yeah. with the Lord. Those are the people we want to be praying for us. Mm. Well, guess who has the closest relationship with the Lord? The people who've already crossed the barrier between mm -hmm. heaven and earth, and they're there. So the, the question, Elijah, is well taken. There are absolutely essential distinctions to be made mm -hmm. between the uncreated persons of the Trinity, who are eternally the heavenly reality, and those creatures who by God's grace alone have crossed over into that heavenly reality and are now participating in the life of the Trinity, chief among them being Mary, but then all the communion of saints. We shouldn't deprive ourselves of the, the, the ability that those brothers and sisters in the faith have to intercede on our behalf. Mm. Yes, that even when we're far from contact from anyone else, on this earth, That's right. we have not lost contact. I really love that image of crossing over into the heavenly realm that really spoke to my heart. I think sometimes, you know, God just blesses me with a certain saint. Um, I remember once reading a short account of the life of Padre Pio. Uh -huh. And something of his personality just captured me. He's a unique person. He's not just an image of somebody bowing before the throne of grace. He's a unique person. And something about him just 
captured my heart as I read that account. And it was like I made a friend because I feel like he wanted me mm, to mm. be friends with him. And then as I was thinking about him, as I'd read about him, these concerns in my heart for our family, for our children, I just felt so natural to share with this new friend who was so That's clearly awesome. wise and holy, but also human about those concerns, those things on my heart and say, could you be praying yes, for this? Yes. Can you and to just be grateful for the help of one more friend, one yes. more friend in heaven. It was a beautiful gift and I've experienced that many times. I'll add this that it's not only that we can be in touch with the saints and reach out to them, mm -hmm. but they often reach out to us. Mm. I remember one time I was praying, I was in a very contemplative place, uh, a place of stillness and listening. Mm -hmm. And I just felt this feminine presence show up, mm. but it wasn't the Blessed Mother. Okay. I, I've had that enough times to recognize mm. this is a feminine presence, but it's not Mary. I said, I said, who's here? What's going on? And I heard, I felt, I, I thought I was crazy. Mm -hmm. I heard, <laughs> I heard, I am Saint Yolanda. <laughs> I'm like, what? Okay, now I'm going mad. I just made this Yolanda. What the heck? And I Googled it, and sure enough, there is a Saint Yolanda from Poland. Mm. And because of my close affinity with JP2 mm -hmm. from Poland and other Polish saints, I really believe this random, I never heard of her before mm. in my life, random Polish Saint Yolanda showed up. Mm. And I don't know if maybe she's one of my main intercessors. I don't know. Oh, wow. But the point is this, that heaven is not just going to be our one-on-one -on -one relationship with God. We mm. profess belief in the communion of all the saints yeah. for eternity. We will have fellowship with everyone who says yes to the wedding invitation. And we can begin to taste that now in our prayer lives. Why would we deprive ourselves of that? Mm. Mm. I hope that's helpful to you, Elijah. And you guys out there listening to this, you know that what you heard today is going to be helpful for somebody in your life. Mm -hmm. Click that share button and help us get this good news out to other people who need to hear it. And if you would, click the patron link in our show notes and join the community of patrons who are experiencing and receiving ongoing formation in the Theology of the Body. Your support to the Theology of the Body Institute as a patron goes a long way in helping us do what we do. We're very grateful to you. You're a gift to us. We're so grateful for your love, your support. Remember who you are. You are indispensable, irreplaceable, and unrepeatable. Yes, become what you are. Ask Christopher West is brought to you by the Theology of the Body Institute with music by Mike Mangione. Christopher and Wendy hope that the information provided is helpful to you, but remind you that they are not licensed counselors. If you are going through serious difficulty, a list of trusted counselors and psychologists can be found in the show notes. Thank you.